welcome to Modern Anarchy, the podcast featuring real conversations with conscious objectors to the status quo. I'm your host, Nicole. On today's episode, we have LGBTQIA activist Aurora Higgs join us for a conversation all about deconstructing our social context. Together, we talk about escaping the monogamous or polyamorous dichotomy, how men are also victims of the patriarchy, and the humanitarian implications of quantum mechanics. Uh, Do I need to say anything else here? I mean, clearly Aurora is my ideological twin. Um... I don't believe in horoscopes. I'm sorry, Aurora, but I, and anyone else there that is really into horoscopes. But I will say we are both Virgos and we were on the same wavelength. So I don't know. I might be convinced after this conversation. But yeah, I really hope y'all enjoy this conversation as much as I do. It really bounces around all of my favorite topics. And it was just such a pleasure to get to connect with someone who has... Uh, shared passions. I, I think it's so interesting um, when you look back on all the different types of conversations that have been shared on this podcast. It's interesting just where they go. And some people, you know, will be preaching my exact thoughts before I have to even say anything. And it's and it's amazing. This conversation also drastically changed the relationship I'm in. Um, yeah, there is going to be more to come on that one, but you'll have to tune in for another episode to hear about that. So, but it was a very powerful conversation. I think anytime that you share a moment of connecting over shared identities, you just feel stronger about who you are as a person. And this was definitely one of those moments for me. So y'all tune in. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We are recording on my end and recording on mine too. Cool, awesome, and yeah, all the things are good. Wow, okay, awesome. Awesome. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm okay. Um, it's been a it's been a long, hard week. Um, yeah. I had a really big event for work. Um, sure. I'm a program director at a LGBT nonprofit. And, love it. Uh, love it. Yeah, and so we had an award ceremony for Black leadership, and so um, did that. But then I also had a burlesque performance. Um, yeah. yeah, it's my fir- it was my first time on stage in two years. Wow! Um, soon, I like I had two or three shows canceled the March of the yeah, pandemic and, with everything. Yeah, and now I'm back. So how was it? Good. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, I got to perform to the song "Just Put It in Your Mouth" uh, mm. by Akinyele. It's very a very good song about a scorned woman who gets her uh group back Ooh, i like this i like this energy do you feel like you're still carrying that energy with you very very much that there was there are a lot of uh life events i've i pulled from uh for that and it just was really empowering just to be able to have that moment 
Ooh, you know I want to ask, like, what life events got oh, you to the state? I mean, I have been, you know, cheated on, oh, and I, I'm a poly person, too, like, Fuck who... Yeah. Also, like sometimes, like currently, I'm in a monogamous relationship um, because mm-hmm. that's, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, but it's like kind of in the sense of, you know, relationship anarchy. Like, I, when I came into like this relationship, I knew that I couldn't just like come in with only my ideologies. Yeah. And so, you know, we've, we've definitely had moments where we've done like brief windows of poly, but like mostly in a monogamous, like, framework yeah and like you know it's just like it's interesting because like I'm in a relationship with a whole other person who has whole other needs and contexts and yes so um yeah I I mean it's just I've pulled from just like being a person who goes through really interesting relationship dynamics and conflicts and like still wanting to feel like sexy and empowered yeah 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 I personally would love to talk to you about that, that um, the relationship anarchy piece of going between monogamy and um, non-monogamy. Yeah, if you are willing to, that's what I'd love to talk about. Absolutely. Um, So I, uh, just to back up a little bit, um, I guess I should say my name is Aurora Higgs and (laughs) my pronouns are she, her, and they, them. And I'm a black trans femme who Mm -hmm. identifies more with like a non-binary experience, but I am inherently empowered by all things effeminate still also learning now that I'm so like full-time femme like I get to now dabble with like masculinity which felt to almost too like perfect like I felt like if before my like real transition Mm -hmm. I if I were to kind of play with masculinity then I would kind of be thrown into the default of masculinity Mm. whereas now I feel like I'm so far in the femme I can play with masculinity and not feel like that defines me yeah which is a really interesting thing and dynamic that I'm still kind of discovering but yeah so part of that in discovering my gender I'm also had the distinct opportunity to break down all of the like preconceived notions of my life and all of these like predetermined pathways yes and I was like okay well what does that mean for my like relationship and romance like can I find fulfillment in um having just like purely sexual relationships or Mm. can I really like manage like substantive feelings with multiple people yeah and mostly my my foray into like polyamory was me just kind of like me in the same way that I used to move away from masculinity I don't want to really walk into the traps of monogamy and not saying that monogamy is a trap. I'm just saying that there are inherent traps to in monogamy because our society favors that, that yeah. relationship um, yes. like dynamic. And yes. so within that, because we're in a um, white supremacist culture that um, holds things like masculinity, heteronormativity, all of mm-hmm. those things, this framework that is accepted by our relationship also has a lot of those things built into it. So I don't find monogamy to be very fair to women or people who identify as femmes yeah. because in monogamy, the femme role is presumed to be sub- submissive and subservient. Mm. And again, not saying all monogamous relationships are like that, but we do know for, in our society that that can be the assumption. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, if you're in a monogamous relationship and you're the woman or the femme, yeah. chances are you're you're doing things like 
upholding like this like idea of like feminine virtual you know um mm-hmm. virtuosity yeah and our our culture allows men to kind of do whatever they want without yeah. really making them face social consequences in mm-hmm. the same way that we do with them so I was like I don't really like the idea of monogamy I don't like what it entails for mm-hmm. people like me yeah and so even if I'm in a polyamorous relationship that highly resembles monogamy, yeah. it still means that I have that fluidity and sure. that like grace to mix it up. Whereas yeah. monogamy, if you do one thing, you're no longer monogamous anymore. Yeah. The, the confines are so rigid yes. that I would rather almost like completely duplicate that in a polyamorous relationship and then loosen the lines and blur yeah. all of those things. Yeah. So that's where I am. Um, but like I said, I also have a partner that comes from a uh, monogamous background and a more traditional mindset. Yeah. Pointing my, at my yourself. Pa- not me, but my partner right. too. Right. Yeah. And so it, at first it became very much me trying to like, like indoctrinate them into like, but what I was trying to, uh, what I really want people to know is that like polyamory has inherently has all the things monogamy has mm. and more because yeah. you can make it whatever you want yeah. there is no singular definition of polyamory so exactly really you only have you have nothing to lose except for this sort of like pre preconceived yes. notion of like what that means for you as a masked person in a polyamorous relationship who maybe is losing a little bit of like control or unearned like privilege and I think that that's really troubling for mask people um and, and cis men in general because mm-hmm. of the society we're in it yeah. says hey all of these things that were kind of default for you not only do you have to recognize them but you also kind of have to give up your your power so that it in hopes of a more balanced kind of thing mm-hmm. and men do not like being having to face the same challenges that non-men uh folk are put yeah. uh, through it is yeah I mean how could I mean imagine like right we know this world all too well but in a way they're living in a world that's tailored to them and then mm-hmm. they dip a toe in a in water that's a little too hot and then it's like yep. oh no yep yep I think yeah for context this is exactly what I'm studying for my dissertation is relationship yeah. anarchy so I'm studying oh, you yeah. know the cultural context of marriage, gender roles across out even outside of our Western context, right? Because yeah. I, I think when we have this personally right now, I'm, I'm probably resonating a lot with you because I yeah. have looked at this whole thing of being monogamous into poly to then seeing the whole thing as a relationship anarchist and looking back at all of this. And I'm like, does this dichotomy even make sense? Like, what the hell is this dichotomy? Let's talk about exactly. the dichotomy. What does it mean to be monogamous, right? What the yeah. fuck does that mean? It means what you sleep with one person, but I think it's, it goes beyond that and yeah. it has a whole value system to it, right? Where like Absolutely. your primary partner is a sexual partnership as well. So right mm-hmm. then we're taking out the experience of asexual people and their whole, right. you know, all of that. And also um, that partnership being, you know, the most important, the most authentic level of expression. So now we have a power you know, differential between all your different relationships that you should be pouring more energy here because that's what you're supposed to do. 
And within, you know, a larger cultural framework, um, specifically, I was reading this one book called um, How Love Conquered Marriage. Uh Um, And it was talking about this culture, um, cultural practice in Africa, where specifically people will get married, but they won't have love within their marriage, because they feel like love within the marriage is actually not healthy for the community, because it pulls you away from the community ties. And I'm just sitting back here thinking, Wow, yeah, there's a lot more than this just dichotomy of monogamy, non-monogamy. We really need to rethink how we're relating to all people, not just our romantic partners. This is a much larger than that. Completely. It's just like gender. It's a false dichotomy. It's yes, not, it is. It's not- poly is not the polar opposite of monogamy. Po- uh, monogamy is a small confine that is floating within the vastness of polyamory, if anything. Yeah, right. And so polyamory is anything outside of monogamy, in my mind. Right. Which- Exactly, which is what I try to explain to my partner, who he's a little bit older than me. So he, uh-huh. this, this, these conversations, he's just like, you know, you just you just show up in your relationship and you do what you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, it's a little bit more complicated than that. But um, yeah, when if I it, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no go I was ahead. gonna say if it helps my partner, it's like six years younger than me. It's <laughs> similar. It's like it's like a mask culture kind of like thing. I'm sure. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean, I think it's. Yeah, it's relearning your orientation to all people. And I think one of the big things for me as a queer person was Mm -hmm. re-understanding that I'm attracted to all people, right? So when I would talk to some of my heteronormative or heterosexual friends Mm -hmm. who then would say when they're in a heteronormative relationship, if their, you know, male partner went out to dinner with a female partner, really gendered stuff, right? But that's not okay. That's okay because there's some sort of potential sexual dynamic. And then I show up into this discovering my queer identity and realizing, oh, shit. Like, can I hang out with anybody? Because now I'm attracted to anybody. Can I get lunch with anyone? Like, oh, no. You know, it just really makes you rethink everything that I think a lot of heterosexual people take for granted within this this concept of monogamy. Yeah. Yeah. That is really interesting. And I definitely have felt that, like, too, as of recent like I think my partner is also discovering because he is he is queer too yeah. but he's sort of queer in the way where he is a cis male that's attracted to all things effeminate yeah. sure. and so um and I'm kind of like that too on the opposite end some people say will say like uranic or neptunic or whatever like mm-hmm. that's an interesting use of words that I don't necessarily subscribe to but I'm really into you know folks that are masculine no matter what their gender is Mm -hmm. but I think for he's starting to realize like how vast my understanding of masculinity is too like sometimes it's the difference of wearing a flannel shirt and it's like oh mask and it's like but but everything but could be like eyelashes and like nails and it just my sometimes it just I'm queer in the way of how I just like perceive the world in these really weird like fun ways but I think we've had conversations in the past where I was like, oh yeah, I'm thinking about like having dinner with this friend of mine who also like they identified as a crossdresser, not Mm -hmm. necessarily trans. And so, but it was interesting because I was like, oh, by the way, we may have like gone on like a date before. And for him, he was like, he thought of this person as being like them and therefore Mm -hmm. not within this like realm of like, suspicion and yet this person when I when I said had more information had I think he was like conflicted with like but there are 
I thought they were femme and I, right. but now you're saying that maybe there was something and do I, how do I, and it, so, I mean, it was not a big deal. It was just a conversation where I was like, well, you know, if you're uncomfortable with that, I completely understand because my thing is I, I'm not super invested in like in that meeting. And if it's like something that is really troubling for you, we can have more conversation around that. And right. couples therapy, like I love couples therapy. I think yes. it's amazing and people yeah. should do it with or without any like major conflicts prompting it. But, I agree. Um, it is really weird being queer and fluid and living in this like binary world where none of the rules apply to you and somehow all of them. All of them at the same time. At the same time. Yep, exactly. How? And then how, how do you navigate any of that? What is, yeah, what is okay now within the lens of another culturally constructed idea which is monogamy yeah and so trying to navigate that with people who have not done this level of deconstruction with how they show up in the world and relationships can be really really tricky i feel like yeah Yeah. could i ask is your partner um an academic uh what do you mean by that term? But yes. So not an intel. Yeah, I'm very specific about. Yeah. Um, are they in the world of academia? Like they got like, a master's in social okay. work. Okay. Do they still? Okay. Do they still like participate in like this like super hyper analytical like thing? Okay. So the reason I ask is because I'm also I'm getting a doctorate in yes. um, media studies and trans representation love it and there's a certain amount of conditioning that is particular to being in academia and having to push yourself to hyper analyze yes. things that can be super annoying in relationships yes. with people who are <laughs> not forced to do that uh, yeah. and it does not make us any better or any worse however it is i sometimes will i, I i'm gonna show my like elitism and bias here but do it it's, and i don't mean to but it's I sometimes will think of it as like, oh my God, I'm doing that thing. I'm like interacting with civilians and I'm, I'm like bringing this like militaristic, like, um, like thought and analytics into this thing. And what I've noticed about that is it's just super alienating and it's really hard to feel that alienation within a relationship with somebody who the stakes are so high with. Yes. But how do you tell them? Like, I just, I, I analyze the world in such a granular way that it's so difficult to also translate into this relationship that means so much to me. And I don't know how to turn it off. Like, I, <gasps> I am literally studying relationship anarchy to yes. someone who wants them and with someone who wants a monogamous relationship. Yeah. And I'm sitting with him saying this is part of my life. This is part of what I'm passionate about. And I told him, I know you don't want to talk on the, on this granular level, but this is going to be a part of who I am and what I'm going to want to do. And if this does not sound good to you, this is going to be a huge thing for you to maybe make that decision of it's not going to be a good fit because I am this granular. 100. That's what I tell people. One thing I realized in relationships kind of in terms of like anarchy was like, it no longer matters whether something is objectively right or wrong, because the point of being in this relationship is that we operate in terms of mutual consent without yes. any boundaries, like yes. those boundaries within that. So what that means is it doesn't matter if you think that something is like socially acceptable or should have been like expected as a person in this relationship. If I say it's something that 
I need, then it should be something that you have to make a consideration around. I'm not saying you have yeah, to do it, exactly. but it has to be considered. So with, yes. so to your point, it's like, I often like I'm checking in and my partner thinks it's so annoying, but I'm like, do you still want to be in this relationship knowing that I'm going to do this? Cause I'm not going to stop. I can't. Yes. Yes. And it doesn't matter if you think that this is like objectively, like, I hate to use like mental, like stigma words, but like quote unquote crazy. It doesn't matter because this is the person you're in a relationship with. And I'm asking you now, do you consent to moving forward, knowing the side of me? And if if we're still together tomorrow, I'm assuming that you said yes to that. Yes. Here we are. Yes. And I wonder if your relationship is is at all like mine is currently where I am that analyzer and they are not. And what is beautiful, you're like, yes, which what is beautiful then is I come to it with, yes, I want to analyze and I also want to see the level of you just letting go. And I want to kind of meet us in between where we can both like maybe I breathe a little bit, you breathe a little bit, and then our partners come into the space of a little bit more thinking and together we have this really nice like yin and yang of the situation. Yeah, exactly that. Like I am so thankful that I have also like, watching him behave in a relationship that is a bit more carefree because what I'm not only is it like a modeling of something that I can I'm not saying I'm going to adopt his mindset but I can move away from my extreme yes and and like recognizing that that's a valid way of also Mm -hmm. handling our exact same dynamic but it's also a matter of me seeing like oh okay for him, if he's gonna, if he's okay with sort of letting this go in like an hour, then I can also rest assured that I can let it go and it not mean like something to him. Like, yeah, he's he's projecting the types of boundaries he's also like okay with receiving, and yeah. that's been nice because I'm like, oh, maybe I can also because part of my being in hyperdrive is trying to predict what his responses will be. Um, because I'm a I'm a Virgo. So I, am I. <laughs> I, I. I was gonna say I was like you know I I'm a, like getting a vibe. Like, that's just what it is, and um, that's funny. So I'm trying to project these things, and it it's nothing else because I'm never gonna change. He's giving me better data to make yeah. these to like extrapolate what his reactions will be, and so now I can kind of say like. I bet I can let this go in an hour, like, and he'll be fine with it, which would have never occurred to me before this Mm, relationship, like, to be quite honest, because I'm projecting myself onto others and thinking, oh, they're probably going to hyperanalyze this and still be angry in in two to four days, but part of me can now sort of trust that I can be more carefree, and it'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying I'm not easily cha- like going to change. Like, sure, it's, it's, yes, who I am. Exactly, and together that's a beautiful combination, right? Yeah. That balance, you know, where we have that together with our partners. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so curious if your exper- about your experience though of going uh-huh. from <clears throat> poly to monogamy, which again, I, I don't feel like that inherent that binary makes sense at all. I'm gonna yeah. just say that because I think. For sure. And I try to explain this to my partner where I'm poly, 
regardless of whether I'm dating anyone, right? So even if I'm completely single, I'm poly because it's my orientation to the world. I see Exactly. I see all of these different relationships that could occur and that I believe in multiple concepts of love. And I was trying to get him to understand, you know, like if I have a deep relationship with someone that's asexual, how does that fit in within to your monogamous structure? Is Is that okay? You know, and we start to ask these bigger questions and you realize hey, this binary is not actually capturing anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just erases anything that doesn't fall into one of the categories, which is devastating. Yes. To which I say I'm poly even if I'm in a quote-unquote monogamous relationship. So at that point, I think we're relationship anarchists. Right. And yeah. That, and that's, that's what I tell. <laughs> and, and, like, and I'm poly because I'm poly in a monogamous relationship in this way. I've because this. I'm so vast yeah. and infinite. Like, you know, yes. I can do this. Like, yes. It, again, your monogamy is a small grain of sand. Yes. In the vastness of life. So it's like, of course I can imitate monogamy. Like that's what, that's easy. Yeah. And it was something that you said, oh my gosh, something you said triggered, um, oh, I forgot. I lost my back. It'll come back. It'll come back. Totally. But yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, relationship anarchy makes more sense because monogamy in and of itself, when you look in the larger context of humanity, I think mm-hmm. some data that I was reading, and these are not the exact stats, right? But it was like out of 150 different various human societies, about like mm-hmm. 40 practice the quote unquote concepts of monogamy, right? So yeah. we're within a larger global context. What we know is that monogamy is actually not the norm it is a socially conditioned thing that happened with a lot of different things of romanticism and other narratives and white culture just really shaping this and this is kind of how we got to this point and if you take a larger view to all of things you realize that people really orient their relationships in different ways depending on their social culture yeah it's exactly like even i'm just thinking even things like geographies i would imagine would impact like Sure. Whether or not a duo pairing versus a triple pairing, yeah. you know, is, is more relevant. Like these things, it, monogamy is, if anything, a kind of hyper geo-sociopolitical orientation to the, the confines of the society that we live in. And mm-hmm. so there, I'm not, I'm not saying monogamy is bad. I'm just no. saying it is a reaction to a set of standards that may or may not be relevant as relevant as they used to be yeah exactly i might go on record for saying monogamy is bad okay let's say for argument's sake there's monogamy big m and monogamy small m and yeah. like there's monogamy in the like socio like sanctioned way yes. and then there's like sort of the monogamy that i'm in yes. like little m where i'm just like we just happen to be in a relationship where our our romantic and sexual partners are mutually exclu- uh, you know we're mutually exclusive of the world sure like that's that's like but for sure monogamy big m i'm i will go on record with you and saying it is bad because it yes. upholds white supremacist and sexist and misogynistic values and also yes pushes itself as the default correct and objective point of view, which is very bad. Exactly. Yes. I think that big M monogamy bad. I think you can have a closed structure where you have commitments of exclusive fidelity, right? So you have a sexually and romantically fidelitous relationship. Great. Whether we call that monogamous or not is totally up to us. For me, I would say it's not, you know, it's your language, right? But like, 
I, I don't feel comfortable calling what I do monogamous, sure. knowing that that has a slew of social context with it, right? Yeah. In the same way of the fluidity of like a gender non-conforming person. Like I don't feel like I conform to the social structures of sure. monogamy and the expectations and the myths that are in align with it. Yeah. Um, but I think I could have a, I currently am in a sexually exclusive relationship. So yeah. how, do, how does anyone else want to define that? You know? Yeah. It might be, you're right. Like, it might be better, honestly, just to, like, operationalize the term, like, closed relationship as opposed to, like, a monogamous one. Like, at least that way, if I say a closed relationship, people are like, oh, well, what does that mean? Versus, like, them just assuming, you know, when I say monogamous, they're like, got it. Right. Keep it pumping. Right. Well, because I think what's tricky about monogamy, right, is these things called, like, emotional and physical infidelity, right? Like, when do you cross the line in an emotional way within a monogamous context? Yeah. Huge question. A lot of people talk about that, emotional cheating. Yeah. What the fuck does that mean? It it also represents our own um, culture's foray through, like, emotional relationships between people of the opposite, like, quote-unquote, opposite gender. Yes, it does. We have such an uncomfortability yep. with in, in in our society men and women in particular yes. cis men and women yep. heterosexual to most likely all the like normative like states we have such an uncomfortability uncomfortability talking about what non-sexual relationships can be between those folks because yes. I think it was always assumed that there could not be one without sexuality yes so yes that just means that there's chaos that just means I mean it doesn't inherently mean anything other than there's a there are a bunch of people who live in a society and think that they're not allowed to have deep emotional connections with someone unless there is sex and then that starts to inform how they do have these like everything yeah exactly exactly I um and I think part of why I like my partner is the fact that he doesn't you know, subscribe to that idea, you know, like it wouldn't bother him regardless of what sexual, you know, gender orientation someone has that I'm hanging out with. And especially right again, as queer people, then that even complicates everything. Um, recently I sat down with one of my friends who is, um, in their relationship, it's close monogamous and Mm -hmm. he actually listens to the podcast. So like (laughs) learning a lot about polyamory and talking about it. And when we sat down, he was expressing to me like this was the first time he sat and gotten food with another woman. And he kind of felt guilty about it because of all the structures of monogamy. And, you know, literally what we did was sit and talk about life. Like that alone, because of the cultural conditioning of what it means to be in a monogamous relationship, made him feel a sense of shame and guilt to hang out with someone of the opposite sex. Yeah. What? And and that is wild. And one thing I will say about that is because even though, so like hearing that's like, yeah, they should absolutely have that space to do that. And I will say they people in that dynamic who should be given that grace are also not the, in themselves in a vacuum in that in the way of like sometimes you can go into something like that with full intention and then there's this weird cognitive dissonance moment where you're like oh I am having a really personal relationship with this yeah. person and does that then create like its own sexual like tension in and of itself like I'm I'm gonna be a realist I do also think that there are times when we ourselves don't know how to handle those interactions. And we're sure. saying like, I should be able to do it, but I'm also convincing myself that I should be able to go on this like interaction with somebody 
who typically was is in within my like range of dateable or fuckable eligibility but like sometimes I myself will create a narrative based on like well we're out and it's like intimate like should I be making this a thing should I be and so like part of me also knows that it's like it is even more complicated than like then then just being like oh well they should be able to have it and so my default should be to think like nothing possible nothing sexual could happen with that Mm. but it's like we live in such a weird weirdly chaotic world with mixed messages that we also kind of like absorb them and we have to do our own untangling even if we're in those situations sure and exactly and I think of what you know what we're talking about a lot of this is social context right a lot of people that are masculine have been taught that you know within social conditioning that men don't need deep relationships with other people however there's been this big exception that you could have it within our romantic partnership right so then for a lot of people that have been socially conditioned as a male and all of that sort of narrative then yeah to have any sort of other deep intimate partnership then ask the question of should this also be sexual because i'm feeling this closeness exactly that that's the thing. That's the thing that I'm getting. Think you like said that so perfectly because that's exactly what it is. And that like sometimes I would not trust my mask partner because mm. I don't know if he has done the work in order to to acknowledge yeah. that that's what's happening. And if he yeah. does, like, does he know how to handle those conflicting feelings? Yes. And can he say to himself? just because I'm feeling a deep closeness with this person doesn't mean I have to project sexuality onto it. Because as a man, that's what I am taught to do. Number one, I think men are taught to believe that all them bodies are within this like conquest of theirs in general. Hugely problematic. Hugely problematic. And so I I just feel like men are also such victims of the the messaging that we put out there. Yes. And they themselves don't realize it because they're so, they're so beyond the idea of being victims of anything in our society Mm -hmm. that they are more comfortable believing and knowing that they are the perpetuators of it even Mm. if they will say like oh no that we're not doing that I think deep down they're more comfortable being perpetuators other than rather than victims that is a deeply submissive role to be put into that I don't think men are comfortable with yeah and so I don't always know I can't gauge where someone is in their you know awareness and again I'm an academic I'm taught to like analyze these things too it's like most granular level exactly but I I think it's true it's sorry it is true like we know these things we know these things are going on and so I think you know people in that space that are that granular are super helpful to other people that maybe haven't thought about these things or feel these things and feel like they don't know what language to describe them. So then yeah. people like us can have dialogues with this and then someone hears it and they're like, that is exactly what I'm feeling. And here is yeah. that. And that's our role in this space, which I think is such a beautiful thing. Yeah. And just being poly means that like, even, even I say all of that and I could be uncomfortable with it, but my being poly as a personal politic, I tell myself that being poly doesn't mean I don't get jealous or I don't get insecure. Like that's sure. not what it is. It's that I recognize his agency as being more important than my projection of what he should and should not do. So mm-hmm. if he were to say, Hey, I'm going to have dinner with this person and it's purely like, you know, non-sexual, it's just like the thing. Yes. I might be uncomfortable because I have all these things, but my, my deep, 
urge to like have integrity of like what I believe in would tell me like you should be able to have that space and this Absolutely. is the practice for you to maybe work with that and deal mm-hmm. with that conflict and then we yeah. can talk about it exactly Yes, exactly. Which I love that being your value system, right? At the end of the day, that polyamory is your value system and how you choose to go about through this world. And what I think has been fascinating in connecting with my partner is he has the same values, but uses the word monogamy. And so then we'd have these conversations where we'd go around in different ways where I'd be trying to show my world and he's expressing his world. But I'm like, wait, 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 at the same time, core we're talking about the same things which is the ability to live this life freely but also make commitments and there's commitments within polyamory as well right and so i'm like god this is just such a difficult thing of language that makes it really really hard when you're talking about these things and i think again because of that you know what is monogamy to some people you can't get dinner you can't get coffee with other people you can't hug other people even in some cultures yeah not touch the opposite sex right so like we really need to be careful when we say monogamy there is no boilerplate for what the fuck that means yeah we need to take the time this is where i get a little analytical like you were like let's take the time to define if you want a monogamous relationship that technically means nothing yeah let's define what monogamy means for you and make sure we're hitting that and that can be really flexible so now for monogamous poly relationship I we're autonomous beings creating a relationship together is what we're doing we're like trying to create artificial order in a in a landscape of pure chaos and pretending as if that's like 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 Uh, correct yeah and it's so I mean but you're right I mean monogamy in and of itself is amorphous yeah but the difference between its version of being amorphous and polys is that there are boundaries and those boundaries are uh like guarded with barbed wire and Mm. they have these really harsh consequences for trespassing them yeah but no one's going to tell you where those boundaries will pop up really mm-hmm. in, in the larger yeah, societal nothing. context. Nothing. In the micro, sure, y'all can talk about what your specific definition is. But in our society, when we have discourse around what monogamy is, we only know it once we've trespassed it. Like that's mm. how you find the borders. And that's yeah. really problematic in and of itself. Yep. Like there's no informed consent really in that, yes. I feel like. Yes. So I don't, I don't like that. I don't exactly. Like no, <laughs> exactly. That's why I try to push on people like you should define what monogamy is. Define yeah. what emotional cheating is. Define yeah. what physical cheating is. There's so many yeah. different ways. Is a kiss on the cheek cheating? Yeah. You know, to someone, they might say absolutely. To another person or within a cultural context, right, in other countries, no, that's how you say hello to people. Yeah. And it's like we really need to recognize that, yeah, there is no easy definition for what that means and recognize that it's all culturally context you know like this is all created from there so wow when you take that step back to recognize that you have this full slew of options that you can create it's beautiful it really is and that's what I want people to understand like it is so beautiful and freeing and liberatory Mm -hmm. and you can have everything monogamy gives you plus yes. the freedom to move those boundaries as you please and as it suits your relationship dynamic. Yes. 
that's all that's all i'm trying that's all (laughs) yeah you have the space to create them and you got to talk about it yeah you have that's you know what that's that's kind of the like the bottleneck right there it's like you inherently do have to talk about it that's Mm -hmm. the work i think people are shying away from in this is like you have to have conversations that society has never prepared you for yes so in terms of social scripting there there are none and that is difficult but it's Mm -hmm. also inherently beautiful because you get to write your own script and you know you're never going to be subject to to like the macro society's like expectations if you're you know really doing it yes in a deep way yes yes I know. And to bring in my partner's point, a lot of the time he would say, yeah, but you, you know, the difference between having that feeling of desire of wanting to be with someone and not wanting to be with someone else in like a more intimate way. And I've always pushed him on that where I'm saying, what, what does that mean? I I actually don't like, do you truly know the difference when you look at other relationships in your life and the difference between romance and platonic right romance and sexual and like deep intimacy how do we actually come to define what it means to be romantically exclusive yeah yeah I guess even just hearing that I'm like huh I don't know what you mean about that either I'm curious like like I'm not gonna be like no but tell me more yeah exactly like so say I want to buy a gift for my friend you know I want right. to do an act of romance I want to yeah. show up with flowers and just be like I was just thinking about you and here's this yeah. okay what is that is that is that okay is that romantic I am yeah. queer so I'm attracted to whatever gender is over there can I yeah. give that gift is that too much like what I think it, it really gets when you try and define these things it's not that cookie cutter yeah yeah I, that, yeah I don't it's not for me at least like yeah me neither I um yeah I think my partner and I had a moment one time where he was talking about someone and, oh, oh I had a friend I have a friend um I have a few friends who are like trans mask yeah. and so um we were just talking and I was like oh this one friend I think you know they might um have like maybe a little thing uh for me and I I I kind of like that like dynamic because it's like Mm -hmm. I know I know where the the like physical and behavioral boundaries are in my relationship so I can do I know how to maintain like something like this and it just stay within that yes that dynamic exactly and um and I was like yeah and he and he was like yeah but you know you're I know you're not like you know attracted to uh like trans mask people and I was like Yes, I am. Yeah. Like, I absolutely am. Like, not even just like hypothetically, but just like, yes, in actuality. Yeah. Multiple examples of the, and he was, and I could see him kind of like recalculating a little bit and being like, wait, what, what, hold on. And just, but not, I don't think he was so much like trying to figure out my sexuality as much as he was trying to figure out like what now feels safe to him yes this is exactly what I was gonna say yeah like he's like hmm do I have to like now like is there like a whole other like camp of like enemy suitors like yes exactly exactly because that's how I think how men frame like yeah these like things that's like oh they are competing like suitors that I have to fight off yes because like, yeah, this is my person. Yeah. Like, no, I'm not. I'm my person. Exactly. Yeah. And 
But I, I mean, and it's also like we have sympathy for that level of thought, right? And I, you know, we have, I'm sure, those similar moments where we get scared in our relationship dynamics of, oh, is someone else going to pull them away? So I think yeah. it makes sense that like, yeah, even within a poly framework, right? Like there's always within any relationship, there is an inherent instability because we know the autonomy of anyone, even within a monogamous relationship. Let's yeah. be very clear because people right. get divorced and cheat on people all the time. All the time. That's, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yep. Yep. <laughs> right? So it's like, yep. so it's like, it's always that question of like, yeah, where is the safety at? Yeah. Right. And, and something like Polly can scare a lot of people because it feels like it opens this door up to anything, but it's like that door is always open. Always. And monogamy gives you a vested interest in concealing that because one act like that can ruin it. Whereas in polyamory, that that can be worked into the equation. But yeah. that's, that's the thing. Ugh. Exactly. And I think one of the big problems I feel like <laughs> with monogamy and the myths of monogamy that are attached that are attached to this social construct let's be very clear is that you when you're in this monogamous relationship where you love someone deeply you never have the desire for other people oh yeah please right like if if years of cheating and infidelity and divorce because of that haven't taught you that yet we know that's not true we know we're gonna have naturally have desires we're naturally gonna have feelings there's nothing wrong with that i think the choice then is like okay we have these feelings how do you want your behaviors to be exactly yes if you're in a relationship that has closed sexual and romantic fidelity then we're not going to act on those behaviors, but we can yeah. still acknowledge them and talk about them. Where yeah. frequently within monogamy, there's this myth that, yeah, if you were to do that, that means that if you were to just have the desire alone, that mm-hmm. means that you never loved your partner or something's mm-hmm. wrong with your relationship. Exactly. That I call problematic, right? Like that negation of our our natural behaviors as humans and desire yeah. in other people. Yeah, I think that's super dangerous. I do too. And like, my, my thing too, is like, am I, can I be a jealous person? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Like this, you're the person that I hold like my most intimate, like yeah. life moments with, of course, I'm worried about someone else being your primary and mm-hmm. like, not, and not being like a priority in your life, like for sure. And for me, my idea of polyamory, it does not, <clears throat> it's more within our sexual behaviors. And so yeah. I enjoy being able to have the freedom to talk about like us doing things as a couple and like having sexual experiences, but I'm not yeah. really interested in like looking for another romantic partner or, yeah. or it, 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 like or someone like to share my life with in that yes. way. Like that's just my particular thing, but that might change. Also what exactly. I love about polyamory is it's like open to evolution and it yep. always meets me at where I am Hell versus yeah. me having to strive for it. Yes. And so that's just where I am, but that doesn't mean I don't, I don't get jealous. Like, mm. and, but it just, polyamory says like, okay, you're jealous. Now what? Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to act on that jealousy you don't have to infringe on this person's agency just because you're having this feeling of fear. You yep. could talk to your partner and then they can exactly. also maybe make decisions based on how you're feeling if that's the dynamic you're in. Right. And as long as it's consensual and you're, you know, you're open, like, I mean, what is the harm in being in an acknowledging reality within yes. your relationship? I, that's the part I have trouble with as a academic Virgo and like in the world, I'm like, <laughs> How how are we living? It's like monogamy is a framework that people 
behave in to try to strive for it. Mm-hmm. Whereas polyamory for me is an is a politic that governs your behaviors and in this way and it's also a framework to be certain. Sure. But like just like what you said is like monogamy, just because you're in a monogamous relationship doesn't mean you're behaving monogamously. That means you're labeled in a thing that you're constantly having to live up to and constantly mm-hmm. show qualification to right. say that you're like there. But like I said, being queer and being poly meets you where you are and says like you don't have to define it other mm-hmm. than to say that like you're definitionless if if you want. Like, exactly. Exactly. So it's interesting mm-hmm. for my own like dissertation, just kind of curious. Yeah. So you said that you identify as a relationship anarchist? Yeah, I, I, I um, identify as an anarchist um, sure. in a lot of ways. And I like to bring that into my relationships. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yes, because I'm just so curious as, as I'm framing this as someone in the field, right? Where I, I, yeah. I feel like relationship anarchy is taking such a deconstruction to both poly and monogamy that it's like right. in a separate camp almost. Right. What do you right. Do you feel like that's like an accurate... I, like uh, separating just the ideas of relationship anarchy from the question of like poly versus yes I feel like the the question of poly versus monogamy is just an inherent byproduct of yeah. the considerations of relationship anarchy exactly. because for me relationship anarchy is just the act of like breaking down hierarchies yeah within the like realms of relationship yes you can have social anarchy you can have all these things but um, relationship anarchy just says, hey, I'm going to look at all the things that hold power uh-huh. and try to break it down so that there's power inherent in everything rather than mm-hmm. trying to like kind of reach for it in these different yeah. ways. Yeah. And so within that, you have to ask the question, monogamy versus blank, because we happen to live in a context that yes. holds monogamy as the default. Yes. And anything anything outside of that will be held you know again polyamory as a reaction to the default of um, monogamy kind of defines itself as anything outside of that construct that mm-hmm. monogamous construct yeah but like in a way in that way it is kind of artificially constructed like mm. it's not a complete and natural idea for me because it's in response to an artificial like construct yes which means in and of itself it is like I feel like in an organic world, we wouldn't even have words for these things. No, People we would wouldn't. just behave however we want. Mm-hmm. And there wouldn't be power structures that dictate, hey, you should be in a monogamous relationship yeah. versus in this poly relationship. Yeah. So in the long way, it's like they're not separate other than to say that like relationship anarchy is such a more vast question with com- other like implications that are yeah. at the same level. Yeah. of monogamy versus um yeah yeah, yeah. poly it, and but everything else like yeah so connected but not you know completely separate yeah so, so interesting because yeah because I'm gonna want to do qualitative interviews with people who <laughs> identify as relationship anarchists and yeah. what you're saying seems to be like yeah very in line with that so I think yeah. it was it's very interesting to, I mean yeah these are all just language pieces right of the it, poly right. and anarchy it's like and some of that is also just so that you understand other people so that you know, like, yeah, I have the same value system. This is why I say poly. So you get me. Exactly. It's it's a way up for us to like coalesce and find each other without yeah. necessarily defining ourselves. It's just, exactly. a, it's, a, it's a really helpful 
hyper culturally specific linguistic tool that is mm-hmm. in and of itself incomplete but has utility mm-hmm. exactly okay. exactly yeah because if I stopped having sex with anybody in my life I'm I'm still poly I tell my I tell my partner all the time I identify as ho no matter what I'm doing like I'm, yes that's I I love before I was in a monogamous I wasn't even in my first monogamous relationship until I was 29 I, I still identify and the things that I did was culturally defined as like hoen sure and so I empowered that and I said well great I'm yeah. gonna, if that's if those are the words you use to define my behaviors, I'm going to find the utility in it yeah. and tell people exactly what I'm about, which is exactly this set of behaviors that is culturally defined as hoe. Mm. I'm all right with that. So yeah. I, no matter what, if I'm in a monogamous relationship and I'm not sleeping with other people, the the mindset and the the lens that I perceive the world through is informed by a hoeness. And so yes. I'm a hoe and yeah. I'm okay with that. We can have a conversation about what my behaviors and practices are within that. But other than, I mean, if without getting that granular, that's just what it is. And exactly, can, I choose to let people think what they want about that. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to bother myself on if they truly understand what I'm saying, but yeah, I kind of like that too. I like Catherine McKittrick um, talks about like being like demonic in this terms of being unknowable and undefinable. Mm. I kind of like the idea of having some saying something so arresting to people that they both like bring in a notion, but then they're like, well, what what did they mean? And then like, I'm free in their minds, right? Because they can't easily define me. Right. And I think that it's so fascinating to me that we're coming to this understanding of things like gender and yeah. sexuality being more fluid and yeah. wow the next step everyone is relationships are fluid yeah. okay you can have multiple different ways of being in relating with your partners right yeah. and that can change over time and i wish we would get to that sort of concept kind of like we are now with gender and sexuality instead of trying to put ourselves in boxes like let's take a step outside of the box and just yeah. recognize the fluidity of this yeah. And I'm almost wondering just, just in having this conversation, it, it just occurs to me, like, what is the stuff beyond fluid? Like, what if we can also like mm. appreciate and celebrate like chaos, yeah. like within that, like what it fluid even has its sort of like idea of like flow and connectedness, but like, mm. what if we could like jump steps ahead and experiment with these things that are inherently so like disruptive. So I'm almost like, I don't think anarchy has to be chaotic. I think chaos is a tool mm. of anarchy and mm-hmm. for sure. But what if we just like embrace chaos, relationship yeah. chaos, like sexual chaos, like. And I, yeah, exactly. And I think that's why when I've, I've been trying to like conceptualize, oh, you know, like what sort of, I'm studying relationships. What sort of future yeah. do I want when I'm writing books and stuff? Yeah. Um, I was thinking like conscious co-created connection, right? And I think what consciousness is coming from more of a Buddhist lens Mm -hmm. and is recognizing that the world is inherently constantly changing. Yes. AKA chaos. Things are constantly changing and you cannot stop that. And if you do, good luck. Um, And and I feel like how can we, yeah, get comfortable with the unknown future and the chaos, which is inherent Mm -hmm. to change. Yes, for sure. I, I love that. I think, I guess for in this conversation, like chaos is really just like 
I go back and forth on whether or not I believe like we live in an inherently chaotic universe and then is any sort of like order in that is artificially constructed in spite of that chaos. But then I also wonder if like chaos is just the, the this linguistic tool we use for order a, a certain order at a scale that we cannot comprehend. And so like, what does that mean? Like, I don't know. I don't even know what the sure. implications of that question are, but like, yeah, I mean, the laws of thermodynamics that we know yeah. of physics and the universe is that the world in- inherently is increasing its yeah. level of chaos. And we yeah. know that on a physics level that is yeah. getting more chaotic. Things are constantly going towards that. We do not go back in the other direction of more order. Right. So that's right. an inherent aspect of our reality. At least yeah. you're right, though, from the lens that we currently understand our right. dimensions. You know what I yeah. mean? We still don't know what happens with black holes. So if it gets, right. Yeah, if it gets spun into another universe that gets to become clear and ordered, sure. But that is not the world we currently live in, which is perpetually going towards chaos. Yeah, yeah. Or and that's a that's a great point. And I'm a I'm a huge like quantum physics nerd, <laughs> even though I'm not even in the stem No, sciences. I know me too. So I'm so glad you said thermodynamics because I was in here thinking about like superpositions of yeah. like, quantum physics yes. and being like what is that? Is that like chaos? Is that like, is. you know, oh, oh my God. Okay. I well, let, talking to Virgos. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> let me tell you, I literally subjected my partner this morning to a 30 minute video on quantum mechanics and gravity. <laughs> that is so wild. I just posted uh, on my social media. I went out and I was like all done up and I looked like a bully from high school, like sure. the really hot, sexy kind. Yeah. And at the end of the night with me in a huge oversized t-shirt drinking a beer watching PBS quantum physics um yes. like, channel and oh my god I love this yes I love yes I feel like it's so beautiful because at the biggest level I feel like of quantum mechanics of what yes. we've learned is yes. that two opposite states can exist at the same time yes. there are so many great implications for like what we actually are doing just knowing that like that nothing is singular in this way like there there we live in the like a collapsed like version of every infinite possibility Mm -hmm. and so like uh, I'm, I've been dying to ask somebody about the like humanitarian implications of quantum physics. Oh, well, I and literally so, was, was lecturing, you know, like I was literally yeah. telling my partner all about this. I, I may have to be, uh, we, we're going to have to connect. Yeah. Uh, in, <laughs> yeah. The, in the real world. Yeah. I think the, the big things that I know is that when psychology as a field was created, it was really trying to fit into the other paradigms of what science was. Yeah. And so, you know, in the past, we had things like Newtonian laws that said, this mm-hmm. is what happens with gravity and this is how objects move. And equally, too, as something as psychology was coming into a field where like, this is disease, this is yeah. a diagnosis, this is that something like quantum mechanics comes in, rewarps all we understand about science to realize that it's not this, yeah, dichotomy. It's relative and both times at the same time. So then I'm thinking over here like, okay, so what if diagnoses are just inherently too static to capture the dynamic elements that we are as humans? And I started looking into this and people are apparently doing quantum cognition and using the thing at Stanford. They're doing some crazy research over there. I was like, I should be over there. Um, They're um, using quantum theory to predict people in research studies and it's going well. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just, 
Oh yeah, exactly. That same oh, face. The implications like, on free will. Yes. I, oh yes. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, huge, wow. huge philosophical questions oh. then of is there free will? Oh. If the chaos is determinable by quantum yeah. mechanics, that yeah. maybe there isn't. Boom. <laughs> oh, I love. I love the anarchy of of like that of breaking down our preconceived yeah. notions of like free will like no matter what no matter what we discover we're already experiencing whatever the solution is so it's Mm. like it doesn't change anything about our experiences in the world but we get to be aware of them so when people are like afraid they're like does this mean we don't have free will it's like whether or not you find out you're already living the implications Mm -hmm. of that of that question exactly it's okay to ask the questions it's okay to find out that maybe our idea of free will is not a great conceptualization of what is actually happening. Like we can have, there can be an infinite set of possibilities for you in your life and Mm. not, it not necessarily be considered what we now call free will. That's okay. Exactly. No matter what you're going to have, it's the same thing's going to happen to you. You're, it's, it's like, we are the answer. Mm. We're just happen to ask the question. Exactly. Exactly. And from what I'm watching of this video, talking about the concepts of gravity, space, yeah. time, and if yeah. if our understanding of space, time even makes sense anymore, given quantum yeah. mechanics, I feel like the yeah. biggest takeaway from someone who's not an astro, you know, a physicist yeah. and doesn't understand these things to their degree that those people t- are able to, I feel yeah. like the biggest thing I take away is that our questions are inherently too small. We need yeah. to recognize that it's a perspective that could be completely different beyond what we're understanding now. And yeah. that the biggest important thing that I want to take away from this level of dialogue and the things that I'm reading is that it's always yes and. Yeah. Yes and this and that. There's multiple ways to inherently to um, to see truth. Mul- multiple. Yes the subjectivity of truth you know instead of one objective way exactly it's just like that's the part of me that I'm trying to come to now where we can see the fullness of this where my partner can want monogamy and I want polyamory and we can recognize that those are actually the same things yes it's just language it that's I I adore talking to you I don't get to talk to anyone (laughs) else about this yeah because like I I'm like that too I I am comfortable with uncertainty yes I think it is exciting I think that there are I love asking the questions um and I love Something else that I'll say about quantum physics, and then uh, no, this is probably it. boring everyone to death. That's their um, fault. Check but, out. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, excuse me, bye. yeah, yeah exactly. If you, if you didn't want to talk about burlesque and quantum physics in one episode, you maybe then don't get out. Exactly. Um, <laughs> is that my last name is Higgs, which is a really uncommon last name uh, in, in the U.S. Um, because I don't meet anyone who's not related to me whose last name is is Higgs. Yeah. But in quantum physics. The Big Bang particle is the Higgs boson particle, and the Higgs field is what we now, I believe, is what we think is the field that gives uh, matter its mass. Mm. And so there's this weird like calling in this in this thing of like, and I'm created this whole like delusion that I am somehow related to like the universe, and that the universe is telling me and sending me these little like yeah. signals, but like whatever it is I'm enjoying the uncertainty and like the beauty of like the chaos of of that like part of me does feel like quantum physics is like hey like 
though of course i'm so like self-centered that they I, the only way i would pay attention is if they put my last <laughs> yeah you're like okay i'm listening like, now, now i'm listening yeah exactly <laughs> oh me yeah that's okay. funny <laughs> um but it's just it does it feels so like serendipitous and i love yeah. the, i love how vast like it is and i love how little we know about oh, sure. quantum physics because it, it's so fun to like speculate wildly i know i I agree with you it opened up everything that we thought we knew from the smallest scale to the larger scale of how our universe works and literally says there's yes and that's huge that is that is a huge the fact that other people don't get excited about this is kind of crazy to me because these these are the atoms that are in my body these are the atoms that make my skin these are the atoms that are you know Oh, like everything is this it's magic yeah. at its like inherent level that we i mean at least from our perspective now maybe one day we'll right, understand right. it right but it is magic yeah. currently that we have everywhere that's exactly what magic is just undiscovered science yes, it is. and like so i'm okay with that too um because i truly do think that the unknown is so deep that yeah. we might as well call it a magic like exactly. at this point but also like just thinking about consciousness, like like you were talking about, is consciousness like an, uh, a quantum phenomenon? And therefore, yeah. like, what are the implications for immortality? Like, does that quantum, because we know that quantum positions can be in multiple universes. Yep. Like, yep. so what does that, do we never experience death? Do we, if incarnation sort of um, an incomplete explanation of this phenomenon? Like, yeah. how are people not, and I, I, we sound like such nerds, but seriously, how are how are people not nerding out about this? Yeah, I mean, physics turns me on. I just have to be yeah. super honest. Like, I'm so <laughs> right now. <laughs> I have totally masturbated in physics, and like I love yes. it. And I was trying to explain yes. that to my partner. I was like, I don't know what it is. It's so up here, brainy that it like I love it. Inherently, you can't masturbate without physics. I know. Well, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Movement. Yeah, yes. there you go. I love that. That's so funny. Yeah, and I, I mean, I like to think about it as even if we don't experience another level of consciousness when we yeah. die, the reality yeah. is that ma- matter is not destroyed. I mean, a black holes kind of question that whole thing, but you know, yeah, my right, right. my carbon, my whatever, will eventually be decomposed by the fungi that will re you know invigorate me into the trees that make the oxygen that make the future you know like where there what it I mean there might be a death of my consciousness but inherently who I am is always going to be in the universe yeah and that's how I felt before quantum physics and now with quantum physics I'm even asking the questions like maybe I won't experience the death of my consciousness maybe my consciousness is so quantumly held that it can travel between Mm. these like states and these like universes and maybe because I know and we know inherently that when we experience like physical death our our matter will be distributed back into the universe and we will always live on in that respect yeah 100 that we don't even need quantum physics to be certain about that but for me I'm just like the one thing that I was already kind of like trying to be radically accepting about, which is like losing my consciousness, which I hold yeah. very dear yeah. and think about and mm-hmm. like this, have this meta awareness around. Yes. I want to believe that there is a vibration, a quantum vibration that my, that my 
consciousness exists in that can travel between mm. um, this universe and the next such that once I'm, it's done vibrating in this one, that too must be transferred yeah. somewhere. It can't be destroyed. Yes. And, and we know about quantum entanglement. And so I wonder if like they're entangled in a way that when they pass on, I, this like loose conception of like awareness and what being like, uh, you know, conscious will travel to another place. Yep. And I'm, I surely won't carry the memories or anything like that because memories are physically yes. like, held and things like that. But there is a difference, I think, between just being aware of my memories from yesterday and being conscious like yesterday. For sure, for sure. And I'd like to think that there's some continuity between that that could maybe be transferred. I mean, at this point, anything is possible, right? right? That's I mean, what I'm saying. Exactly. Yes. And I think I've been thinking about it personally, right? Is like the, these concepts of black holes mm-hmm. where matter gets sucked in so much so that even if you were like shining a light in a black hole, it wouldn't come back um, out, right? You wouldn't and see it, the light. Yeah. Exactly. And it's impossible to not think about death, in my opinion, as an yeah. analogy, right? We have this concept that from our universe, right, we, we mm-hmm. die and this moment is over and it's gone there's no light coming back but at the same time we do know that black holes are absorbing matter what's on the other side we currently don't know and there's a huge question of what's on the other side and we can't figure it out currently so there's even one speculation that on the other side of black holes are white holes that are just spewing matter out in the same way in the opposite ways that black holes are sucking light in and like some people are even saying like some people again this is me being a non-science uh, person watching like science content, I know but, like, I know but it's and, good and, yeah exactly and I'm prefacing this with saying speculation and allegedly and I'm in, maybe incorrectly quoting this sure. but for the purpose of speculation that there could I mean just as I mean in the way that black holes like could yeah. uh, center at a singularity point where nothing else like happens like yeah there could also be white holes that are connected to you know other universes and people are even conceptualizing things like uh, uh, uh um what are they hyper warp drives like I'm mm. I watch the whole thing of like if people conceptualizing these things and and, and playing with like uh, ma- uh what we how we conceptualize like gravity yes in order yes, to achieve yes. this like yes we, I just if the, the possibilities truly are endless and like that in and of itself is enough for me to be like not super like completely um nihilistic about for sure every- I do practice like an optimal an optimistic like nihilism for sure yeah. but sometimes even optimistic nihilism is a little like Oof, like right. a bit of a drag so right I think that's where I come back to agnostic where it's like it's yeah. crazy to say that you know this and it's also yeah. crazy to deny the reality of this right yeah. but I am so with you on this gravity thing oh, right. where they were yeah. they were studying space-time matter and understanding how like matter curves yeah exactly it can curve on itself and we can use that as like a bubble to travel in in this weird way like Listen, y'all should definitely <laughs> fact check everything I'm saying right oh, now. Oh, yeah. And I feel like I've prefaced this with enough caveats to be generally and vaguely correct. Correct. <laughs> I feel confident. I, I feel confident I, that I described the general ideas. I've watched yeah. I've watched a, a lot of videos. Don't trust me to, like, you know, make any decisions about your life. But I've right. talked about the ideas, right? What I, I can... 
what, speculate wildly. Yeah. And like what I like to do is all the videos that I watch, you know, and like form this, I put in like the descriptions of these yeah. episodes. So like if you specifically have videos that you've watched and want to send to me, I'll include them down there for the people that are like, what are these people talking about? I'm like pretty much everything on the PBS YouTube <laughs> channel on YouTube. Yeah. So yeah. any or in the specifically in the quantum physics thing sure. with the one host guy who's like British or Australian with long yeah, facial yeah, yeah, hair. Yeah, 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 any yeah. of those you'll get. You're watching the same thing I'm watching at that point. Exactly. So. Right. Exactly. There. Yeah. It's such an exciting time. I would have never <laughs> wanted to have studied physics at yeah. the level of a PhD or beyond because it would have been no. wild to do that amount of math, but it is yeah. just so fun to think about yeah. on a theoretical perspective and what yeah. that means for our life and our humanity and our relationships yeah and getting uh, it wrong so that we can try again like after we've yep. kind of speculated hell yeah exactly that's all we know is that we're wrong 90 percent of the time it's, exactly. it's the wrong question we're not asking yes. the right question we're not having the right framework so just yeah staying open to that expansiveness i love and how lucky are we to be able to have the opportunity to get it wrong and exactly. try again and be human yeah yeah uh. Is there anything that you feel like, I mean, at this point, I feel like we talked about a lot, but is there anything that you feel like you really wanted to talk about today that you maybe didn't hit on? Oh, um, I don't know. It's really interesting because I guess when you, when you first like reached out and we were, you know, we were connected and we were yeah. talking, I was like, oh man, what am I going to talk about? I definitely wasn't coming on here <laughs> to talk about relationship anarchy specifically um for me I live in this kind of world where I'm trying to embody anarchy and so I was like truly I'll you know I'll we can just feel out what the where the conversation takes us but you know I'm definitely somebody who is like a gender anarchist I am abolitionist I I organized helped organize not uh, yeah helped organize a work strike a few months back and yeah. like that's a that's a form of like social and labor anarchy that I think we need to get more comfortable with mm-hmm. I think we as a society need to be more comfortable with anarchy and the yes. term radical because yes it's part of the problem it's part of like the toxic cunning of our society mm. is to vilify these words such that we're uncomfortable even looking and, yes. and defining them for ourselves yes so. Be an anarchist. Be gay, do crime. I love that. Yeah, embrace the freedom, embrace the chaos, embrace the unknowns, embrace the fluidity. Be queer, do crime. Yeah. (laughs) Don't hurt anyone, but do crime. (laughs) One question I do ask everyone on the podcast is what is one thing that you wish other people knew was more normal? Ooh, so the first thing that comes to mind is I wish people knew how normal and organic queerness actually is I feel like heteronormativity is actually very abnormal and very inorganic because it's socially constructed and I truly feel like if we lived in a world without any confines relative to gender or sexuality what you would see as like de facto would be what kind of what we are conceptualizing as queer Mm, in our mm -hmm. society it would be people who don't think about it's like imagine if we all of a sudden politicized people's eyelash length right okay something so random and arbitrary as eyelash length that is different for everyone imagine if we all of a sudden created a world in which people who had 
three millimeters of eyelashes could only date people with double that amount or something like that. Yeah. Imagine how wild that sounds just to say in this world, that mm-hmm. is the exact same concept that we are operationalizing in our society, but we just chose a different dimension of, of difference. We chose genitalia and even that's not a correct like thing to say because it's not just genitalia. It's also like someone can look and present as like a quote unquote cis man and not have a, a penis. And mm-hmm. that, that challenges our society. And so it's not even genitalia, but it's this politicized definition of what it means to have certain genitalia, I guess, or it's so, it's so random in and of itself and, and dumb. Yeah. But that's the society we live in. We basically are, have created this thing. And nowadays, because we don't politicize <clears throat> eyelash length, uh, if you look at any two people who are mated or, you know, dating or mm-hmm, attracted to each other, mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. sure you would see a quote unquote queerness of eyelash length yeah. of like this like uncorrelated like set of data points that have right. no sort of direction. And I truly think that if we didn't politicize gender and sexuality, we would see inherent organic behaviors that we now would consider queer. queer. I, yes. It's a long drawn out way. I'm so sorry. No, I don't want to apologize to everyone listening to this. For, oh, I shouldn't be apologizing. Yeah, do right. not apologize for I'm your not. beautiful analytic brain. I will not accept yeah. it on my show. That is the one thing I will not accept. Yes. <laughs> it just is what it is. I just know some people listening and they're like, wow, that is a long drawn out way of putting it. But that's truly how I see it. Well, like, and, and I agree with you. So let me yeah. let me bounce back with okay. you. I mean, I like, it. yeah, I mean, the concept of heterosexuality <clears throat> is based on the concept of a binary gender dichotomy. Yeah. Right? Where there's male, female only. And yeah. so you like someone of the opposite sex. I think yeah. when we take a step back from that and we ask the question or introduce the concept of intersex yeah. and the full range of what it means to be a quote-unquote male or female. If we acknowledged that dichotomy, we couldn't even have something like heterosexual because there would be, you know, a whole fluidity of what it means to be a gender. So it wouldn't make sense to even put that level of scale. Exactly. And, yeah, and we know from the inter, like intersex that the definition of what it means to be a male or a female within these contexts is the size of the penis or the clitoris which is defined on a random definition of what it means to be one or the other and then yeah. they'll frequently castrate people who have yeah. maybe something that's a little bit quote-unquote too much for or our variant med- in any way exactly for our medical model god forbid we have more than two genders right so god like, forbid exactly except that we obviously do because, because that's how we come out of the womb exist. Ah, like that's natural <laughs> Yeah. So it, it, that's, that's the other thing is that yeah. it kills me that people, we, we do have this dichotomy of saying like there are only men and women, but like reality and biology defies that. Yes. It says, no, I don't. And then we just go, Shh, yes, you do. Yes. And we like stuff it in the closet. Yes. And we just go, nope, only two yep. options. Yep. Like gender might be theoretical, maybe in this way that it's abstract, but like sex, biological sex, the way that we define it, it, is so obviously defied mm-hmm. by our own definition of it. Like we literally, I mean, just like you said, if a clitoris is like too large or if there's 
any existence of a vagina mm-hmm. on somebody and a penis like or it, it's ambiguous they will it's take like, that away it, they will take it away but what's even weirder is that we erase it we act like it's not there like we're inherently mentally ill because we are not we're holding a tenuous grasp of reality right like that is a I I don't know what else to call that and that's a colonial view right there's other societies that have not defined people in this way historically so many societies and one thing Alok Menon once said that Mm. I adore was that colonialism came into these like inherently more expansive cultures in regards to gender and vilified them told them to put it away and if they wanted to survive they would have to you know uh, assimilate to their idea and then cut to 2022 we come back and we vilify these same communities for not being more expansive as they once were on these terms of gender we call them homophobic and we call them primitive we call them um, you know, all these things that vilify them for the things that we whitewashed out of some of these societies and in, in, in the world because the Western conquest was so pervasive mm-hmm, it that was. we come around and we're like, how dare you? And it's like, we, we've just gotten on the bandwagon our damn selves when it comes yeah. to gender. And we were also the ones that cleansed, cleansed quote unquote, Ugh, these societies yeah. of their deviance of all right. these things. Right. It's just so mind-boggling. It is so mind-boggling. And I think eventually as a society and the more globalized we become and realize the vastness of these things, we'll realize that, yeah, gender, these gender stereotypes, these gender dichotomies, these relationship dichotomies of monogamy or not monogamy aren't going to make sense anymore. We're just going to realize, wow, there's so many other ways to look at this in a expansive, yes, and quantum mechanics, right? Like we're going to expand. And for me, I think one of my biggest life values is holding space for the fullness of the diversity that is authentic expression. Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. Yeah. I love that. Mm. It was so a pleasure to have you. I did not think we were going to talk about this. It's no. never planned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, I, I looked down and I was like, oh man, I hope I haven't been like keeping us longer like, than we were supposed to because like I've just been oh, grooving fine. No, with this is flow. This is good. I This is this it. is how I do, right? I, I come in, this is part of the anarchy. We talk about whatever is on our hearts and on our minds and that's what I love about it. I love it. I yeah. love it. Thank you for this like great opportunity and space just to connect with a fellow Virgo. Hell yeah. A granular analytical Virgo. Hell yes. Poly granular. Poly academic. Yeah. If you enjoyed today's episode, then leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you're a part of the anarchist community, then follow us on Instagram or nominate a guest for the show by sending in a letter to modernanarchypodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, I'll see you next week.